Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. So today on the tee, we have uh, uh, Reggie Thomas. He's a candidate for Lafayette City Marshal. And we'll, uh, we'll introduce him a little bit more and get to know him a little bit more. Uh, I want to let you know, guys know about our sponsor, who is the Music Academy of Acadiana. They are Ameri- uh, America's, they are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in all different types of instruments and audio production. Uh, you can learn guitar, you can learn drums, violin, saxophone, all that good stuff. They teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college. They have sent students to compete in major music competitions, and they have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. Uh, the music school of the, the Music Academy of Acadiana was founded by U, uh, UL graduate Tim Benson, or UL Lafayette rather, Tim Benson. Um, the Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goals are to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can check them out at musicacademyacadiana.com or their Facebook page, YouTube, Instagram, all those social media networks. And you can see their website and logo on the screen now. And be sure to check them out. All right, so today we are talking with like I said, Reggie Thomas. Uh, Reggie, you have been, uh, first of all, thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Yep. Uh, you've been in the in the career uh, for a while. Like, when did you first get started as a police officer or, you know, in general? When, when did your career first start? My career started at uh, Arlene's Parish Sheriff's Office, and that was about in 87 I believe um, and I, I didn't stay there that long I went to uh, I'm from New Orleans uh, born and raised in New Orleans uh, was there for about 20 years uh, at 18 I joined the military uh, the United States Air Force came back and worked for the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Department and then um, that was working uh, within uh, the jail uh, in uh corrections so uh, I, I stayed there, and I, I, my passion was to be a patrol officer to actually do police work. So I looked across the state of Louisiana, and I found the best uh, police department I can find, and that was the Lafayette Police Department. I came here in 1990. 1990. So what made Lafayette the best police department? When you look at police departments, you look at the equipment. You look at, of course, the salary and the training. And throughout New uh, Louisiana, you have, in, in, in I wanted a larger city. So this is the fourth largest city in Louisiana. So I looked at different um, areas, and, and also I wanted to go to college. I wanted to go to UL. So um, I, I saw Lafayette, Louisiana. It, it was ranked very highly uh, among police uh, departments. The equipment was great. Uh, the training was great. And the number of officers that they had and the size of the city was somewhere that I would want to raise my family. So you were born and raised in New Orleans? Yes, in the night war. Wow. Okay. And so you moved here for work? Yes. I moved here uh, in 1990 to attend the academy, uh, at which time I did attend the academy. And I started my career day one from there. So 1990, man, that's, uh, you've been... You- You've been, been here for a little while. For 30 years. 30 years. So I call this my home. Uh, New Orleans, I was born, but my home where I raised my my, my family and where my our business is at and everything I've accomplished is in Lafayette, Louisiana. What is your business? Uh, my, my wife is a, an attorney, so her business is in uh, downtown Lafayette. Uh, my business is police work. There you <laughs> of go. Of course, uh, 30 years of serving uh, this community. Wow. Wow. So uh, I have a picture of you, actually. Uh, it looks like when you were in the Air Force. 
if you don't mind me showing it. Yeah, you can show it. Let all me right, say something. Right. That that picture, I looked at that picture uh, recently, and I said, wow, I was a baby. I mean, I was uh, right out of high school. Maybe at that, uh, I was 18 years old. Uh, and I was really young. I have never been out of New Orleans when I when I went to uh, San Antonio. Uh, so you you can imagine it was a shock to me from what I'm used to seeing yeah. uh, in New Orleans. So I went to San Antonio. The, the base was beautiful. It was a Lackland uh, Air Force Base. And um, that's where I started my career. And that's where I became career-minded and understood how important integrity was and dedication was. And uh, that's where I learned uh that's what I learned from the Air Force. Wow. It's so weird to see see you now and to see you then. Like you like yeah, like you said, you look like a baby. Um, tell me a little bit about you growing up in New Orleans because it's and especially that you said the ninth ward. Yes. And so that is uh, known to be a bad part of New Orleans. Yes. Tell me tell me about growing up. I, I can tell you I had a great Childhood, but uh, one of the, the things that I I did not talk about a lot, and I'm talking about it now. My my dad was uh, shot and killed when I was about six or seven oh, years wow. old, and uh, and the reason why I talk about it now, and, and it, it's strange because a lot of people that I know say I never knew that about you. Well, when I started saying I'm gonna run for city marshal, uh, it was several uh, things I was hearing, and you know, one was uh, I'm a single parent. Uh, uh, child, you know, that my mother had five kids, single parents. So I felt that I needed to correct that. It, it wasn't that she just had five kids and a single parent. My, my dad was killed and I'm the youngest child. So my mother, who is a, a should be a hero, she raised all of us uh, and did a great job. You know, she never remarried or anything like that. So uh, during our childhood, you know, we was a really close family. And, and so I really wanted to talk about that and say, wait, uh, she just did not have kids or, or, or you know, it, it, we was a family until my father was shot and killed at that time uh, in New Orleans. Uh, and that's when I first really started seeing police officers and, and understanding uh, as I grew older, because we, we really didn't receive any answers into ref reference to uh, who shot him. We had no closure or anything. And during the years, I looked back at it, and, and I really thought that was New Orleans Police Department. Uh, they, they really didn't do a good job in, in reference to talking to the family, in reference to trying to close the case, you know? Yeah. Um, so we, we grew up not knowing really what took place, I mean, specifically, because no one was ever arrested or anything for, for that. And that. Even still, no one? Nobody, no, wow. no. Uh, so would that be a, still a cold case? Yes, yes. And, you know, it, it make you question how much effort uh, was put into that case. You know, it wasn't a high-profile shooting or anything like that. So how much effort was really put into that particular case? So that was one of my passions when I, when I got into police work was I will put effort into every case and everything I do in law enforcement. And that's what I have been doing throughout the years. So I guess I'm curious, what, what led you to want to police work because you know I'm pretty sure back then police were not looked at like they are today and we'll, we'll get into that um, but yeah what, what led you into wanting to, to be a police officer well it wasn't very popular I, I think I did not think about police work until the military during my my time in New Orleans it was more of a of high school and and you know, different role models, which no, none of the role models were uh, police officers, mostly like coach uh, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But it wasn't police officers. But when I when I joined the military, I I start looking at uh, security policing and and things that was going on there, and I thought that was something that I would not mind doing. So when I came back, Arlene's Parish always had an ad in the newspaper about hiring. And I just went and yeah. I went there one day, and they hired me, and that, that was the start of my career. So, so what what made you want to join the military? To get away from New Orleans, where I was. Okay, was not the best area. A lot of my friends was getting in trouble. Not don't have the dollars to just go directly to college. Yeah, this was an avenue where I can go to college, where I can 
you know, do everything that I wanted to do. It, it, it was a career move. It was to get me out of the area where yeah. I was. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Um, so I have here in 2016, you were appointed interim chief of police for the city of Lafayette. Tell me a little bit about uh, becoming that in that role. Yeah, I guess I have to start off with telling you about my career. Yeah, when I yeah. when I started in 1990, I started as a regular road officer. I knew at that time I wanted to be a leader. I, I, I looked at the leaders in the police department and I said, I, I want to get there. So whenever a specialized section would come open, I would apply for that section. So I went to narcotics. I went to field training officer. I became a detective, uh, the training director. So I went throughout the entire police department, which very few officers ever did. So when it was time to apply for a uh, chief, we had a chief, Jim Craft. Jim Craft was about a 40-year officer, and he had been chief for about 15 years or so, something like that. So when he left, uh, a new mayor came in, and the mayor said, you know, I'm going to interview for the next interim chief. So pretty much when he, when he interviewed, I was one of the people he interviewed. So he chose me for that position. And one of the reasons why uh, he, he did uh, choose me for the position was I, I was a graduate from the FBI Academy. I was the training director. Um, I have did a lot of things in that police department. I was able to, to say that, look, this is my resume. This is the things that I've done. And he, he liked where I wanted to take the police department, which was I'm a community guy. I wanted to work in a community. I wanted to do uh, community policing. Uh, so I explained that, and the mayor said, well, I'm going to give you a shot. You go ahead and do your particular uh, uh, thing. So he, he uh, announced that I would be interim chief. Uh, I took over interim chief. One of the first things I did was I looked at cold cases. In the past two years, when I took over at 2016, 2015, and 2014, we might have had about eight cold cases. And all these cases was on the north side of town. So as you know, it made me feel like, okay, did we do everything we can do or how much did we really put in it to solve it? It kind of brings it? you back to New Orleans. Yes, and, and I recognize how much a closure means to somebody. And it does. you don't have to be rich to want closure. You know, your, your kid don't have to be the best kid in the world. It, it, your kid could be somebody who might... Uh, be a drug dealer but that's still your child and you still want to know what happened and you still want some type of closure so I started a team to investigate these cold cases and within the first six months we had solved six of those cases and wow. the and the reason not because Lafayette Police Department wasn't trying the reason was because we wasn't in the community like we're supposed to be you can't solve a crime if you cannot talk to anybody in a community. So my, I started a community relations committee, which was very important. And I, I took all the leaders from different areas, especially the north side of town, and we started working together. I asked them, you know, what's the biggest problem you have? Because they have to trust you. You know, if your biggest problem is people on the corner selling drugs, then I will stop that and I'm gonna show you that we, if we work together, if you tell me this guy is selling and we stop it and we work together, you start having trust in me. So once that happened, hey, I do know something about this murder that happened three years ago. Somebody did tell me something about it. So we was able to solve those murders uh, at that time. So during my, my time as the chief, I did a, a, a lot of different things that haven't been done in a police department, especially with the community. We did uh, community walks was something that I started. Actually getting together with the leaders and with people in the community and walk and knock on the doors and talk to people. You know, the, the most important thing I learned from that, the police officers were the ones that, that received the most out of that. Meaning that, you know, you have to make officers get out of their cars. So when, <laughs> when they get out their cars and start knocking on the doors, now, you might patrol the area, but if all you're doing is arresting people, you then learn that, hey, you know what? These are some good people back here. You know, like you, so you make a good point. If you don't get out of your car, if you don't interact with the community, you don't have your finger on the pulse of that community. 
And therefore, you, you basically be, I don't want to say you become a robot, but you, there's, no, um, there's no connection there. And you're basically just, at that point, doing a by-the-paperwork job and not going out there and being a part of the community like you're... you're yes, and, and we cause that in police work. Let me say this. When I first started as a police officer, we get out the car all the time. But now they put a computer in your car. Yeah. So oh you have to do your reports sitting in a car typing. Some guys don't type as good as others. They have. <laughs> so they might be in a car longer. And then you're going from call to call because you, you're answering, answering uh, in-service calls constantly. So you might sit at a, a red light area, type in your report, then they send you to somewhere else. So I don't blame the officers. It's where we at now. you know. And that's why uh, you know, I talk about police reform. I talk about what we can do. I think it starts locally. I think lo you, you, know, you, you look at the nationally and, and the Senate and, and they're, they're coming up with different ideas. Okay, that might work great for Washington, D.C. or Boston, but is it working good for Lafayette, Louisiana? It's different. I think we have to come up with our own reforms yeah. and, and we work from there. So tell me a little bit about your reform, because I have a question and that question was, what is one of your main goals when you are elected as uh, the city marshal of Lafayette? Is that one of your main goals is police reform or uh, if not, what is your main goal and then Tell me about your your goals for police reform. At, as the city marshal, okay, I've worked with the city marshal's office for the last 30 years. So that makes me more qualified than anybody else to know what is going on with the city marshals. And, and I have worked in different capacities. When when you, you have to look at the city marshal's office, there's 24 officers and safety and security is their number one thing at city court. What, what the city marshal does is any misdemeanors is handled in city court. No juries. They don't have jury trials or anything like that. It's only city uh, uh, arrest or criminal, and they do a lot of civil. They do evictions and, and things like that. So when a judge gives an order for a warrant, then the city marshal is the person that goes out and serve that particular warrant. So efficiency is the, the number one thing as, as the city marshal, meaning that when a judge gives an order, it has to be carried out immediately and it has to be carried out correctly. Okay. And, and time is, is the, the thing. So sit, one of the things with the city marshal uh, is training, okay? I believe in training. I was a training director. Uh, you look through my, my file, you're gonna see all kind of training. I attended the FBI Academy, which uh, a lot of people, 1% of law enforcement officers in municipalities attend the FBI Academy. Uh, so I was able to- You said to, 1%? Yes, 1% okay. in, in the nation that wow. attend, that actually- And you, you attended that? Yes. And I you're a graduate? Of I'm it. a graduate. Yes. I graduated in 2011 in class 247. Okay. Uh, and it's in Quantico, Virginia, just like on TV in the FBI. Uh, thing. You actually oh, nice. train with the FBI uh, people and it, it's more like a leader, it's a leadership school. Um, so. So I take all of, all of that knowledge and I bring to the city marshal's office. City marshal's was accredited, uh, and accreditation is, uh, is a CALEA accredited. Uh, the city police, the sheriff's office is accredited. The city marshal's lost their accreditation. I would get that back because I have worked with uh, CALEA. I have gotten a police department accredited and, and, and uh Reaccredited like two different times. The reason why that's important because everybody should be doing on the same procedures and policies. When different uh, and when different organizations have different policies, then that's where confusion happens. At uh, that's why I believe that the training that the city marshals is doing should be done with the city police because the city police backs uh, up the city marshals, the city marshals back up the city police. So everybody should be on the same page yeah. and everybody should be doing the same thing. Right now it's not like that. And of course, it'll be less dollars to train together than where we're at now. You know, uh, community policing is everything in my mind. When you, when my guys are out there with the city marshals uh, looking for somebody for a, a warrant or whatever, if we're close to the community, 
we'll get the calls and they'll say, hey, the guy is right here, the guy is right there, because we have that trust, because we work with the community. You know, uh, I believe in reaching out to the community. I believe in, uh, of course, my community relations committee. I believe in community walks. Uh, without the community, an organization won't strive. It, it won't. It just won't. You have to have the community community involvement. And that's what I will do. I will bring the community involvement. I will have the city marshal's office very efficient, very efficient. And the safety and security of the city court would be my number one priority. And it's not only for the people that's coming to court, of course, it's very important, but the judges also, and for my employees that work there. You know, right now you have two bailiffs in the court in the courtroom, and you have two people watching uh, everybody who comes in. Uh, very important. Uh, we, we have to look at the security of city court, make sure that everything is up to par and where it should be. And if that's the case, then we will leave it there. But I, I intend to come in and look at the overall uh, program and what we're doing. And I believe that we can save dollars and I believe that we can be trained better. And I believe that the people, the personnel that they have now at the uh, city marshal's office are very good guys because I've been working with them for the last 30 years. I know the type of people that's there. So I think uh, me becoming a city marshal will be a great thing for the Lafayette, for Lafayette City. Well, that's awesome. Um, so but going back to police reform, so I'm guessing part of your police reform would be getting more involved in the community, but is there anything else that you would do in, in regards to police reform? When you talk about police reform, we're we're talking about city marshal, city police, and a sheriff's office. I think number one, everybody has to come sit at the table. Yeah. And I wanna be at that table. And not only myself and the city chief and the, the sheriff and civilians have to come to the table, leaders in the community. And we have to look at what what is going, What's the issues that we might have? I could tell you one of the issues I believe is diversity. Mm -hmm. Without diversity, and if you have 30, Lafayette has 33% uh, minorities. Uh, when I started at the Lafayette Police Department, not when I started, when I started in 2016, we had 11% minorities. Are you talking about citywide or talking about in the, in the city, police? Citywide, we okay. had, it's 33%. In the police department, we had 11%. Okay. When I, I finished, we had 22%. What happens is diversity means so much because in on patrol, you wanna see a diversity. Definitely. In training, you wanna see diversity. You know, you don't want your police department to be one way. You know, uh, people uh, in, in different communities act different, talk different and everything else. So diversity is very important and that's something a lot of people kinda run from and don't wanna talk about but that's something that needs to be talked about. So a police department should reflect the diversity in their community. I think that's very important. Uh, I, so. I agree, I agree. Especially in today's civil climate, you need more diversity, obviously. There, we should have we should have had more diversity way back in the day, but yes. know, it, it is what it is type yeah. of thing. When I started with the Lafayette Police Department, I think it was like 9%. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, but it's all about leadership. When your leadership looks and say, okay, that's not important, you know, no, not real, we don't need that, we'll do this. And then it starts with recruiting. Where are you recruiting from? And I just told you, I went from 11% to 22%. Okay, how did I do that? Number one, we started recruiting at uh, uh, HBCUs, which is uh, historical black colleges, okay. like Southern, Grambling. Before I took over, the only place we would go is UL and you know, somewhere in the city or whoever recruit. the recruiter knows. Yep. Yeah. So now you have to you have to have the right recruiter. You have to be recruiting in the right areas, and education is, is very important. You know, um, we go through training as police officers. We go through academy and we do some training and, and whatever. Then you you give somebody a gun and everything within less than a year in about 10 months you buy yourself on the road making some tough decisions with the gun with the gun yeah. you know a lot of times you know you and most agencies you need a high school diploma to start minimum minimum yeah 
So if that's what you need, and you in 10 months you teach the, you're instructing a person and this and that, then when an issue happened or a problem happened, it's all on the police. What about the train? Was this guy trained correctly? You know, a lot of guys are trained correctly, but they have some issues, some discipline issues. And a lot of times when you see stuff happen and they show it on, on television where an officer punched somebody or officer, I always say I would like to see that guy disciplinary uh, record because that don't happen overnight. Right. They build to that. People build to that. Like one issue, he might he might use obscenities to, towards somebody. Nothing happens. You know, he might get a little write up or something, uh, or something else happen where he might hit somebody and he might get a suspension day. But he goes in front the civil service board and that suspension day is taken back or whatever. Then the next time, it uh, he fired around or something like that. But we have to look at these problems. We have to say okay enough or we you know you hear a lot of people talk about uh defunding the police yeah i was gonna ask you about that yeah well tell me a little bit about defunding the police because to the to the majority of the community that sounds like a terrible idea Mm -hmm. so but i've seen other examples where that defund the police is just a a tagline to a much more scaled in um talk so tell me a little bit about what that means to you I would say defunding the police does not mean defund, in my mind, and I would never be for defunding the police, taking away from the police. I do think it's a place for more civilians in the police department. You know, a lot of times you hear people say, more boots on the ground, more boots on the ground. Okay, if the boots, if you put more boots on the ground, but you're not educating, training, or doing anything with them, then that really don't you're make a difference. You're just magnifying the problem. That's what you're doing. But... I'll use an example of mentally challenged people. Right. Okay. We we get warrants or, or, or the pickup, we call them OPCs, the pickup uh, somebody who's mentally challenged. So my officer go out there and go to pick the guy up and a guy has a mental problem. He attacks the officer, the officer tases him and all kind of stuff goes on. Okay. Number one, you can't charge the guy with anything because you knew he had a mental problem when you went out there. If we had a civilian that that was a counselor and we could call and say hey they want us to go pick this guy up and a civilian research it and look at it and say okay well he's on this medicine i will go out and we're going to talk and we're going to do things that stops those type of events from happening but we have we don't have those type of civilians those type of civilians should be attached to the police department i agree so you should not so you don't have to hire more officers you need some civilians or some counselors that understand that we can call out, you know, and, and we can solve some problems, you know. I mean, stuff simple as uh, interpreters, something yeah. simple as that. We we might have a, a problem uh, speaking with somebody. And if we had somebody like an interpreter that, you know, we have some officers that speak different languages, but we don't have interpreters right. We What we do now is we contact UL yeah. and we say, hey, can we get an interpreter? We have no idea. And that might take four or five hours to get somebody from their house or this wow. or that, you know. Yeah. But if we had that attached to the police, somebody who works at the police department, and I mean, other than interpreting, doing other things, but we have that right at our reach, that, that can stop a whole lot of issues from going on. You know, it's things that civilian and, and disciplinary action. This is one of the biggest problems, I think. Police policing themselves mm-hmm. is a problem. So, so good thing you mentioned that because uh, right now the, the talk with the, just the, the nation's police department is that once you become a police officer, you, you join a fraternity of police. And... I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Mm-hmm. Okay, you use. Okay. So I, I think you know where I'm about to go is it's basically a, a a protected group. So if one police officer does something that is bad, but all the police guys are friendly and like kind of that fraternity, they almost they almost feel like they have to guard that, that guy who may have made a mistake. Let's say it's an honest mistake. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you try to guard that guy and protect his job because you're all working together. So what's your what's your opinion on kind of that scenario and what goes on with that? What has to happen is transparency is very important. But what has to happen is what happens to one guy happens to the other. If one guy uh, blatantly beats somebody and you watch, 
then both both of you guys get the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you can, you, you in no way can now say, okay, well, he, he's new. He didn't know any better. Uh, he That's he, a cop out. Yes, and he <laughs> can tell somebody or whatever, you know, uh, what took place. So in a case like that, I, I think that's the key. What I'm talking about policing uh, uh, each other is, you know, a, a shooting happened. And uh, if it's not the city police or, or somebody, it'll be the state police, but it's still police officers that's policing each, each other, you know. Uh, and you realize that, hey, this is a 20-year guy. This guy didn't been through a lot, you know, and it's kind of a little more lean. You know, I, I, I just want everybody on the same page. And I, I, I think that's possible by putting some civilians involved in this, you know. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the talk right now, like you mentioned civilians, and I think that's a great uh Thing to kind of want to put into the, the police department, the force itself, is having people, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing when you say civilians, uh, people that are not trained as police officers, people that are not quote-unquote police officers, yeah, correct? Not, yeah, people that's knowledgeable about what's going on. It can even be a retired police, not in this area or something, you know, but attorneys, people that, that has some, and regular civilians, you know, uh, people know right from wrong. Yeah. So, I, I'm saying people that's not affiliated with that organization. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because there was an incident that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago in Lafayette, actually, where there was someone who apparently had a mental disorder, mm-hmm. and he was at an ATM in downtown Lafayette. And thankfully nothing happened, but police showed up. And in that, it was a post on one of the social media networks. In that thread of comments, somebody was like, why couldn't they have had somebody who is a, a counselor or a, a therapist or somebody who would be able to kind of get on the same level as that person who might have had a mental disorder and reason with them first? But, but this, that was just a comment, mm-hmm. and I think it's because of the entire nation's kind of talk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nothing happened to that person. I mm-hmm. think they might have been detained and, you know, dealt with, but... Um, I think that's an important thing to have as a, a civilian, you know, whether it be an attorney or a therapist to kind of mm-hmm. almost intervene and kind of help the police officers instead of having to potentially have a police officer who may be fresh out of the, the, the short amount of training that they get and, you know, be afraid and yeah. use his gun. And, and my knowledge with city police being there for 30 years and uh, now uh, becoming the next city marshal. My knowledge is that I understand both organizations. And uh, Marshal Picard, who was the marshal for 30 years, uh, totally endorses me. And the reason why he endorsed me, I have worked side by side for with him for many years. And he understand my work ethics. He understand, and, and if you know uh, Marshal Picard, he brought the marshal's office to a totally another level. I mean, when when he took over the marshal's office, it was like a almost a joke. They wasn't even like post certified. They didn't have training on it, and he brought it to a, a certain area. So I've spoke to him, and he reached out to me, and he was like, "Listen, you understand where where we come from, and you, I understand that, you know, you you have the qualifications, and that you you would be the person that I would endorse totally." So since that time, he has totally endorsed me. Uh, as being the next city marshal. And a lot of times people, you know, run for office. And when they run for office, you look at their qualifications. You know, Uh, just because you have some friends doesn't mean you're going to be a good city marshal, you know. So I I ask people to look at my qualifications, you know. I'm proud of my qualifications. I'm not... You should be. I mean, I got some of your accomplishments here and uh, they're... I'm proud of them for you. (laughs) (laughs) So I sit and I I tell the people of Lafayette, give me my opportunity. Uh, I have protected, served this city, this city, not nowhere else for 30 years. And I'm going to be the only person in a race that have protected and served this city. So uh, not the surrounding areas or anything like that. And city police... Everything the city police does as far as misdemeanors, uh, citations, all go to city court. And so 95% of city court criminal offenses are from the city police. The sheriff's office goes to district court. So 
I have been working with city court for the last 30 years. So I understand the procedures. I understand the things that they do. I know the officers that work there. Uh, the budget is about two million. My budget was 33 million that I was working with, with the Lafayette City Police Department. And what was so funny, it's the same people I'll be working with. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it, it's not like uh, I have to get to know people. I hit the ground running. I understand what the, what the problems are, and I can hit the ground running. So I'm excited for this for this opportunity. And uh, as the next city marshal, I'm just excited to start the job. No, no, I know. Look, I uh, I look forward to seeing how the race goes for you. Uh, you know, you you seem like a very stand up guy, and I, I like I like the ideas that you have and you want to put in place. Uh, I want to I want to go ahead and uh, mention some of your accomplishments, if you don't mind me uh, doing that. So uh, this is straight off your website. So you have a BS in criminal justice. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a graduate of the FBI National Academy. You are president of the FBI National Academy Louisiana chapter. Yes. Are you still the president? No, I'm not the president. No, I'm still a member. Gotcha. Awesome. And then you are also on a joint terrorism task force. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. What that is, is uh, you have to get a secret clearance. Uh, it's through the, the FBI, and you have to get a secret clearance. Anything that goes on in the area, we meet once a month, and they talk about anything, any terrorism issues that's going on, uh, not only in this area, but in the state. A lot of times the meetings are in New Orleans, and it's with all the, the uh, top-ranking uh, law enforcement officers. You know, uh, you have the harbor police you know a lot of things come in through new orleans and things like that you learn about you know you have some uh um different uh religious groups that they might be concerned with uh and you find out you know and, and surprisingly sometimes it might be in your area and, and if not for somebody attending that um meeting or or, or being a part of it and you have to have a secret clearance i went through a, a secret clearance about two or three years ago where, where the, uh, I went to one to get into the FBI Academy. Then I went through another secret clearance to join the, uh, the task force. So uh, it's intelligence that's very much needed in every city. And like I say, we're the fourth largest city. So a lot of things come through Lafayette that you might be kind of surprised about. I would I be can't surprised. I would be surprised. I mean, we do have two major interstates that run straight yes. through our city too. Yes. So. I'm pretty sure there's a lot happening there. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so you're also uh, part of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives? Yes. Uh, are you still part of that? Yes, Okay. that's the noble. All right, and so you're also uh, International Associated, uh, Association of Chief of Police member? Yes. Still there? Okay. And then uh, Civil Service Representative for Lafayette Fire and Police? Yes. And then... Are you still a deacon at St. James Baptist Church? Yes, I am. All right. That's yes, awesome. Yes, I am. I, I'm, I'm strong. I have a strong faith, um, and I, I am a deacon. Um, the, the church is on uh, Plum Street. Uh, I, I like a small church because, you know, you really can relate to everybody yep. in the community. So I, I think that's where I got my my situation for wanting to be a part of the community and want because I saw so much in that church and a lot of uh people that go to that church is older people and, and you know they haven't your smaller with, churches are usually your, your and they have problems with their kids. Yeah and, and, and you know they come to me and say, hey look, this is the issue we have and you know and so I really uh enjoy the church, really enjoy going and, and being a part of that church. That's awesome. So I have a, a couple more questions. We're about 40 minutes here. Uh, we do have a, a, couple, a couple of comments. It looks like somebody tagged somebody else. And then Susan uh, Brazell says she likes the setup or this setup. I'm not sure if she's talking about the yeah, room right. <laughs> or, or whatnot. But, uh, okay, so <clears throat> what are your thoughts on the world's civil climate as it is right now? Just everything happening. Um. My thoughts is we, we, we have to stop being so divisive. We have to talk. A, a lot of conversations are very uncomfortable for people. But until you have those conversations, then I think uh, uh, you, you'll be a, a lot better off. I believe in protesting, peaceful protesting. Protesting is very important. Indeed. And that's the only way change can happen. And especially being a black man, that's how change happens. Uh, so I think protesting is needed. I think it's very important. 
but I think you do it in a certain way. And and if you notice, Lafayette has has, has some good peaceful protesting. I don't know if you ever went like, out there to I'm join. Proud, but, I'm proud of how Lafayette uh did yes. we didn't have anything break and out then, let me tell you why one of the things is we go back to talking about the community yeah. the people the NAACP Marjorie Broussard who who ran most of it contact the police department and say hey this is what we're about to do this is how we're going to do it what do you guys think do y'all want to put some they they can call us direct now and that's because of my community relations board that's because of the community walks that we did I am a part of the community, not a pol not a retired police now, but I'm a part of the community that they, they don't hesitate on calling. Without that, then we wouldn't know how many people they expect, what direction they're going to go in, what's going to be said. We, we asked her, give us a list of the speakers that you're going to have. Okay, I'll send it to you. You know, so we know if it's somebody radical, if we need more yeah. people out there, where are you going to be? So when you work together with the community, it doesn't surprise me that we don't have any issues. But when you don't have anybody to talk to and things go bad, then that, that's where you have issues. So I think protesting, is, I think it's needed. Uh, I think police reform is needed. It's something that we have to talk about and we have to come to the table. And again, local uh Police reform, I think, is much different than national police reform. Perfect example. In national, they say no chokeholds. Okay, we haven't been doing chokeholds. We don't do chokeholds. That we don't train it. And when you mean chokeholds, like, are you talking about like yeah, grab uh, like yes. a wrestling move? Yes, yeah. choking somebody <laughs> yeah. out. You can choke somebody out. Yeah, what you could, uh, no, you know. Uh, so, but that, so this the police department does not do that. We does not. We do and not. You do haven't that. done that how long? We haven't done that in about. 15 years. We, wow. We've been stopped. So you were ahead of the curve. Yes. There you go. Yeah. A lot of things are ahead of the curve. So that that won't relate to us. Another thing that don't relate to us is the unions. We don't have unions that negotiate contracts. We have civil service, but we don't have unions. And you are here on national levels. The unions is everything. So we don't have the union problem. So again, that don't relate to us. So I think we have to look at the local part. What issues do people feel that we have here? that we can change. And I think we have some, I, I really do, and I think some needs to change. I think with, you know, again, as the city marshal, I wanna sit at the table and I wanna talk about what we can change and what we should change. Indeed. Um, what, so I wanna kinda of go off of the talk of your, your work and everything. I kinda of wanna get a little bit personal to close it out. Um, what do you like to do outside of work? What are some of your hobbies? What is something that that frees your mind and lets you forget about all the craziness for a little while? Two things. One, I love football. And NFL football, New Orleans Saints. I don't know if you ever saw me, but I'm on the first row and I'm hitting a wall. I'm oh, like, wow. Right. Nice. So a, a lot of times people call in this email team. So we follow, me and my wife, we follow football a lot. Uh, I love lifting weights uh, every morning. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> every morning I'm in the gym and I'm talking. Uh, I like the conversation with the guys and stuff like that. And family time with, with the wife. We like to go to a resort. We like to, to go drive somewhere and, and have a good time. So you like a, you like a little road trip. That's it. Love a road trip. Yeah. I haven't been able to take none lately because of everything that was go that's going on. But uh, that those are the things that I enjoy in life. And, and um, it's crazy because I'm retired. I, I was retired. My wife said, you, you, you're horrible at retirement. <laughs> I retired for about 24 hours. Then I said, I'm running for a uh, city marshal. So, oh, my uh, gosh. So I have been more busy. But you're dedicated. I mean, yes. that, that says a lot about what you do. Yes, I was too young. I felt I was too young to retire. I did 30 years. It was my time. But I, I left so much on the table. And with my community groups and everything, everybody was very disappointed. And everybody came to me and said, hey, why don't you run? Why don't you run? So I decided to run at that particular time. Time, you know, uh, for the, the city marshal's position. So, like I, I like I always say, just the right time, right place, and I have yeah. the right qualifications. Yeah. So I'm ready and and willing, and hopefully everybody vote me in, and I'm the next city marshal. There you go. Um, one more thing is, what is your favorite place to eat in Lafayette or Acadiana? Just in this area. Zia's. Zia's. Yes. 
All right, what do you I like, like there? I like that. Uh, the cornbread. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it's good. I, I get that all the time. Dude, not, not too many places make cornbread anymore. No, no. But uh, uh, the cornbread grits, oh, it's, yeah. it's awesome over there. Oh, wow. And uh, I, we like to go out. And look, it's so funny. Um, me and my wife, we go out a lot. Okay, she doesn't cook like talking about it. So we go out a lot, and we have no more small kids in the house. Oh, yeah, so you can do that. Yeah, so we go out to eat a lot. So uh, I can tell you about a lot of restaurants, but that's one of our favorites. We go there a lot. What is uh, another one that's just like not necessarily a date night place, but like just something casual that you like to go to? Is there a hole in the wall that nobody knows about that you like or Uh, that fewer people know about? uh, You know, they, they have a new restaurant on Moss Street. Uh, Coachella's Coachella Coachella's okay. the name yeah. uh, best barbecue on Sundays really yes okay. uh, it's right next to Brosmart a lot of people uh, probably don't know yeah about. I know, I know but, what Brosmart yeah, is yeah it's right next door to it and they have like the best barbecue ever you know okay. and I really enjoy over there so we, we go there a lot you know I love a good barbecue chicken yes and so, that, that's a good place for us awesome. if you ever get a chance it's just be packed but you ever get a chance to get there get there and uh i really enjoy their ribs all right ribs coach chilla yeah that's it because I, I know coachella is a uh, festival in california oh okay yeah, yeah. I, that's how that's that's how what i think about as soon as you said that i'm like oh yeah <laughs> festival. it's kind of like festival international but over there uh, coachella you have to pay yeah as a to go uh spectate and it's like super expensive like for a couple of days it's like Three or four hundred bucks. Well, we miss uh, Festival International. Oh no, we this missed year, it, huh? man. But it was online, but it just wasn't the same. No, it wasn't the same. Uh, there's something about going there, smelling the food, of course, smelling the people. Yes. You know, <laughs> you're going to have that. But you um, know, some of the things that I've done in the city, like Leadership Lafayette. Yeah, um, okay. I'm a, I, I graduated you from graduated? Leadership okay. Yes. Nice. You know, one of the things I did is I realized that law enforcement, you're in a box. So I say, you know what? I want to get with more uh, citizens or, or, or civilians. I always say, and 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 see, and I learned so much. You know, to say I I was policing this city, uh, you, you you're dealing with police officers and law enforcement and the problems, but you're not hearing the civilian problems. So when I when I did my leadership uh, Lafayette. And uh, I, I learned that it's, it's so much more that's going on. You know, uh, different people with their their uh, 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 doing employment, uh, leading their their companies and, and and things like that. It really enlightened me. Really uh, uh, showed me that this city has a lot to offer. I mean, a really a lot to offer. So. I was excited to graduate from there. I'm still friends with everybody in my class. We're really close. So that that was one of the better things that I, I, I did since I've been in Lafayette. I really enjoyed that. I hear a lot about it. I, uh, I, it sounds like it. I'm going to have to go. You have to it. do yeah. it. I'm yeah. telling you. Uh, it's so funny. My wife is in it now. Oh, nice. So they got a class going to be coming up in the, uh, after December. So I would encourage you and you, you uh, to to look into it um it really is it yeah is i've a, been hearing a lot more about it so it's i've been thinking about uh taking a class but uh it, you said after december right yeah okay cool well uh look man um we are at 50 minutes uh i i, I we talked about a lot i think we talked a lot, a lot about a, a lot about good stuff mm-hmm. and some of the things that you're looking to do in the uh the marshal's office um is there anything else that you want to mention that maybe we didn't talk about before we close out? Um, again, we, we talked about my qualifications, We and I'll get back into the marshal's office because, um, you know, a, a, a lot of people, before you start talking, ask you about, well, what do the city marshal do? You know, and, and I like to explain that the city marshal handles the city court and all the affairs of the city court. And it's very efficient. Without the city marshal, then I would think the court system would be a mess. It would not. Be, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be getting your subpoenas on time. Uh, you wouldn't uh, go to court, and it wouldn't be moving. You wouldn't be safe in court. Uh, so everything that the city marshal's office does is based upon the city court and the orders given out to the city court. Even evictions, uh, civil 
uh, papers and everything else is delivered by the city marshals. So I think they play a big role and a lot of people don't realize that the role they play. Also, they're post-certified officers, so they are police officers. They go through the exact training as the police officers go through. So you just don't see them on patrol. That's it. They yeah. do not patrol. They don't they are not out there making traffic stop. They're not dispatched to calls. But the other things that they do that they do, uh, we have to have. And I, I think every city has uh, a city marshal for a reason. So I think law enforcement itself in this particular area is really good in Louisiana, especially in, in Lafayette, Louisiana, is really good. I think we come together and we work to, to, together. So I think myself going to the, uh, the city marshal, being a former police chief at the Lafayette City Police, I think the connection would be unbelievable. And I think we could go really far. So I think me becoming a city marshal would be great for this city uh, and I will work. I will give it 100%. And even like I said, Nikki Picard even say I'll be great for the city. So I just ask for everybody vote. And I think you would everybody would be, uh, again, excited once I start doing what I, I, I need to do. And this is the right time. It's the right place. And I'm the right choice. All right. Look, hey, man, you don't have to, uh, you definitely don't have to sell us. I think most people that are listening are probably on board. Um, you know, and if you want to learn more about Reggie Thomas, I got his website up right there for you, uh, reggieformarshall.com. Uh, you can go there. You can see the exact things that I have on this paper. You can see where um, he was raised, of course, Louisiana. You can see who he's, uh, his, his, He's got five children. You can, you know, I mean, born of five children. Yeah. Now, you don't have five children. No. <laughs> One daughter. Uh, but One is that, daughter. You, can, you can read all about yeah. Reggie here. Um, there's a lot to read about, and you can see all his uh, accomplishments that I have here as well. Um, but, Reggie, I appreciate you uh, coming on, and I hope the best for you. And uh, let everybody know when, uh, when voting's come up. Voting is November 3rd. Uh, November 3rd would be the, the date of, uh, of voting. Uh, you'll see us campaigning. You'll see my signs. I'm starting to put some big signs out. So uh, if you you could go to the website if you want to donate, if you want to uh, help me in my campaign, you just uh, check it off, and we'll, we'll be doing a, a lot of things in the future. So I'm just it's an exciting time, and I'm excited about being the next city marshal. All right, Reggie. Well, guys, thank you for listening to us. Talk a little bit about Reggie and what he's planning on doing if he gets uh, the city marshal position. Uh, And again, thank you to the Music Academy of Acadiana for sponsoring our podcast. We couldn't do it without them. And uh, again, Reggie, good to meet you, and I look forward to seeing what you do. Thank you. Appreciate the interview. For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette, go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click Advertise.